often do you tell yourself you're not ready? As opposed to the times you tell yourself you are ready. I suppose it comes down to that when you are ready, you don't really have to say anything at all. It just happens. It just flows. The thing you're ready for, you're doing. I was getting ready. Getting ready. I was doing the things I've come to do before readings. Everybody does something a little bit different. For me, one of the things I do is I uh, is I draw or write something. This is to ease my human anxiety. I draw or write something because I get really nervous before reading that the response back to me from that reading will be A, that it's largely inaccurate. Um, or B, that it's infuriating. Uh, anger or mockery. Disbelief. Anger. I get equally scared, I guess. I've never weighed them again, one against the other. And I've never had anybody come back angry. I have had people come back in disbelief. I've had it twice. One um, was a woman that actually said in her disbelief that I was accurate. However, that wasn't why she had been looking for a reading. And therefore, I was inaccurate. She was looking for a reading for a different reason. She hadn't wanted to talk about what I had talked about. And the way that I do readings could be different from any number of people who do readings that you may listen to or the way that you personally do readings. And I think that a lot of times this uh, general term can shoot us in the ass, can't it? It does often. We kind of, uh, we use general terms and then we assume that we mean the same thing and in most conversations, especially ones that feel heated or highly charged, the misunderstandings that boils down to it, that's usually what it is, isn't it? When it boils down to it, it comes down to the fact that we are all just kind of focused on the same goal. There's just different ways of getting there. And the way I view truth and religion and faith and belief is the light through the prism deal now. I heard about this very young. My dad had told me the concept. He didn't invent it. Um, he had gotten it along his journey at some point. And my dad is an amazingly open-minded and fun human being. He's just, uh, he's just amazing. And that's neither here nor there, but he's the reason that I have this visual, and not to say that my mom didn't also give it, but I, I think he beat her to it. They're very like-minded in these things. But the visual is, is how light goes into a crystal or a, or a, you know, call them a prism, and the the one light going in comes out as a, uh, as a rainbow of colors. It's separated now into differences. And then if you were to, I guess, follow the reverse track of that, follow the line of light back into the prism, you'd find, you could conceivably um, 
find the place where they are all one still and again. And if you followed it out to the prism and back, you may feel like you are coming and going. But as long as the light is still going through the prism, it's an active situation. It's not static. It's not coming and going. It's a constant until it ends. And that's really the great, uh, the great equalizer, no, is that it's all going to end. We can only care so much. We can only not care so much. We can only, it keeps the balance. And our beliefs around these things are, are going to be colored and peppered by the way we were raised. And, and there's going to be things that are increasingly apparent as opinions. There's going to be things that are increasingly apparent as lies. Maybe they're misunderstanding. Maybe there's somebody duplicitous involved. In my experience with bad people, they usually think they're doing the right thing. Um, I worked with students that were being expelled or were looking at, a, at future expulsion. And my, my job was to try to help them not get expelled. Basically, do whatever you got to do with these kids. Because the, the system we have right now has, has nothing for the kids we can't solve. If we can get you acting normally, what we call normal, if we can get you acting like, an, like, the, like the, uh, the average kid, right? They need everybody in the average line because they have a lot of kids. So if we can get you acting average, then we can do something. But if you can't do that... Um, it gets, it gets dicey. There's, there's a fair amount of gray area and schools are such a, such a new and evolving thing. Just, just like anything, they're still moving. They're still shaping. We're shaping them every day with our dollars and with our votes and with our everything. There's nothing man-made on this planet that man didn't make. Somebody asked me once how I could tell if something was fake. I was referring to an emotion, and I didn't mean fake. What I said was, it's not that it's fake. It's that it's the one I'm choosing not to put action on. It's the one I'm choosing not to act on. It's the one that doesn't serve the situation. Well, how do you choose? How do you know if it's not necessary? What if you have to feel that? Well, take the action by itself that you're having the feeling. Okay, so what if you're having a ton of negative feelings about having to do some sort of chore, some sort of activity? Now, can you take that activity and imagine any context, any possible context where you would feel differently doing it? If you can, then it's not the activity in and of itself. And that feeling, while fake might not be the right word, that feeling isn't necessary. It's contextual. And when that context moves on and leaves, that feeling may leave with it. It may come back. It might leave again. It might come back. It might leave again. But it'll always leave. 
And I think the ocean is my favorite analogy for that. But the tides come in and the tides go out. And if you don't apply any action, the emotions will come in and the emotions will go out. If you don't apply any action, as these motions go in and out, they lose momentum. Like an ocean with no wind or a... Imagine if each... So each emotion, right, is, is hormones, if, we're, if we get to the biology side of it. So it's these waves of hormones, quite literally, and they're larger, and then they slowly dissipate over time. That adrenaline rush or that that rush of uh, what we would call like romantic love or lust, and there can be a million things underneath it. But that biological response, as we currently understand it, can be really easily compared to a wave moving forward and losing momentum as it waves through. There's going to be things that we have to phrase in ways that are uncomfortable to admit them. I know people around me that really love me have a very hard time with me admitting that I've done something wrong at some point to somebody. And you'll know this feeling um, if you have good people around you, you know, this is a good thing to have your friends say and do is you say, you know, that breakup, that divorce, that friend leaving, that whatever. I've realized this piece. This piece that's me. This piece that's uh, the meat of it that, uh, that connects it, my actions in that. I realize that now and I, and I see it. And, and sometimes you, usually you won't phrase it that way. It'll be like, oh, motherfucker, I just remember that that happened first. That I did this thing and that's why they responded that way. And it can make realizing things very uncomfortable. And it can challenge our language skills. Because we... We can find ways to admit this stuff. Like how we just talked about it. We can find ways to admit it. Where it doesn't hurt us. It doesn't degrade us. But those ways are just now being invented. They've existed everywhere. But if you're listening to this now, you're listening because it's something that's coming back around in your life. That those emotions aren't your guideposts you have to use. They aren't an indicator that you're wrong. They are always an indicator of how you feel. It's always true, I feel this thing. But what you do with it, that's all you.
an experiment or an experience i guess it's both huh that's why they have the same root word or at least i'm assuming they do because they sound rather similar what are you doing today angie well well since you asked it's a day after halloween when i'm recording this i don't know what day it'll air because we really just uh as mark has said we really just kind of leave it up to the feel and the flow of the radio station and so these go up sometimes in tandem sometimes separate sometimes on the day they're recorded, and sometimes a few days later, and sometimes, well, they've all gone up, I guess, none of them, I was going to say, or they don't go up at all, which may happen too. Shit is just so real. It's so fake and so real. The faker it gets, the more real we realize it is. Huh. I have a toddler today walking around the house looking for any dropped candy. He found one piece earlier. It's been very rewarding, so now he's walking around back and forth looking just to make sure he hasn't missed one more. And I think toddlers are great analogies for everything. 
I was watching a documentary on the Stone Age recently. It was called Stories from the Stone Age, I believe. I I could have talked about it before. It, was, it really was profound to me. It was quite simple, but profound. Um, I really... I I seem to be coming to know that our life cycles are the same as our larger cycles, our our human cycles and our short personal life cycles. They're they're not any different from each other. They're just on a different scale. And I I always want to use Fight Club lines to describe everything because it's just it does. It's so easy. Um, so I feel like saying on a long enough timeline, everybody's survival rate drops to zero. And so I have to think that about the human race as well. And I, I get this sense, and I'm not the first, nor will I be the last, that we all know that time is limited. It's infinite. It's infinite. I'm not arguing that. But here, while we're here, the stuff we're using here, the time, the space, there seems to be an ultimate limit before we have to find another source. And when I was watching this documentary about the Stone Age, I was, they were talking about uh, the cradle of civilization in the, uh, what we call the Middle East here. Um, I don't know what it's called globally. Uh, the area above Africa and below Europe, that little fertile crescent is what the archaeologists call it. And I was watching this, uh, this information about it, and they were, they were saying how, um, you know, things progressed and they started farming, and then they, they moved upwards, and they kind of glossed over the fact that when they moved upwards, there were people there. And when they had started talking about the Fertile Crescent, they, they said it was the beginning of life. But then when they move up, they say that it's already inhabited, that the dense forces, forests of Europe are thickly inhabited. They just start farming. They're still hunter-gatherers because trees are there. They don't cut down the trees to put in farms yet. Yet. They will, but they hadn't yet. And they were talking about the way that they ate and how they threw their food onto the ground when they were down into a pile. And I'm watching my toddler and going, oh damn, I'm watching a documentary about the toddler years of civilization. And then this man comes on who studied these people intensely and he says, We have no reason to believe that they thought any differently than we do. That they were any less intelligent than we are. The only things that make us believe that is that they they haven't left any written word. Yeah. Oh, did I lock Mocha outside? Thank you for letting me know. Whoopsie. Whoopsie. Let the doggy inside. But these toddler years... Okay, so they're saying how... This man's saying how... We have no reason to believe that they weren't intelligent. It's just because they didn't write... That we don't have a way to know. They seem to live till they were about 50... In the Fertile Crescent... And then die from wounds. And they're just now starting to uncover... The last 10 years or so... Uncover the burial sites in Northern Europe of these cultures that are just as old but they were in a different place and I'm, I'm wondering how this is going to reshape how we talk about human history because we, we talk about it as if it's 
um, I guess a, a God, for lack of a white history, you know, I, I, I hear it often. I've said it, you know, this is a, it's, it's history that's been whitewashed is a term I hear a lot. <coughs> and I, I, I would even venture to say it's been Rome washed, but it has nothing to do with skin color or even race, but just with uh, who was in power that wanted to stay there. Huh? Are we listening to the lawnmower next door? Oh, the lawnmowers are loud. Yes, they are. Oop. We dropped our Lego guy. Do we want to pick him up? We got him. But let's say we look at this uh, this Fertile Crescent stuff closer and we find out that everybody didn't come from the same place. That there were two, three, four, five, six Fertile Crescents where humans sprang up. Or humanoid and where did they come from? And what makes them so different? There's like, there was a class I was looking at. Um, I'm looking at going back to getting my degree at the risk of being too much of a 35-year-old stereotype. Um, I had my first son when I was 23, and I, I was in beauty school, but I didn't like it. No, we didn't like it. Um, and then when we... And then I worked uh, for schools and all sorts of stuff. And I've gotten this wide range of information, but no letters to let everybody know that I've learned it. I don't have the degrees, and what a degree is, essentially, is a letter certifying that you've learned these things. That you know them. That... Uh, That they can trust that you aren't ignorant of these these things that they need you to know for your for whatever they're hiring you for. And when I was looking at classes, there was a class that talked about the divide, what separates humans from the other animals. Because I've it dawned on me in the past like year or so. That here we are, humans, with entire restaurant chains and all sorts of things we've accomplished. And, and then I look around and no other animal has even made napkins. And I know they've made things. I know there's stuff animals make and all that stuff. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how we're the only ones that seem to have industry. For better or worse. And, and we can argue that until we're blue in the face and we'll never come to an answer. Um, you know, our luxury items, is it better that we have them? Is it not better? Would we live longer, shorter, more fulfilled, less fulfilled? Less varied. But, I, but when I talk to myself and when I talk to older people, I don't get the sense that anybody truly wants to go backwards unless they're very misinformed about what was back there. And there's another great book I'm going to post on eventually called The Way We Never Were. And it's a great book about all the assumptions we have about previous generations and all the 
things and places that they have been and done and whether children are safer now or we're safer then. Is this a good segue into making America great again? You know that that was actually a Nixon line. And I'm not necessarily anti-Nixon. I'm not anti-really anybody. Um, except the fucking Clintons, man. Let's talk about dual faces. Have you ever... I feel like Holly already knows where I'm going to go with this one. Have you ever looked at somebody and seen their eyes slightly separate from the rest of them? Well, you see their physical eyes, but then you see kind of a lift and separate. Their eye, their, th- there's also a projection of their eyes that are slightly off from where their physical eyes are. And I know people listen to this know what I'm talking about. You might have thought it was just, you know, your eyes playing tricks on you or your left eye versus your right eye. But I would wager that the rest of their face stays pretty much where it is. Now, why do your eyes change? Because your eyes reflect, translate, communicate with light. So if you are projecting or viewing light from a place different than your center, um, which most of us are, then then those projectors, those tools, those highly influenced and influential eyes on the front of your face, the windows to your soul, kind of move around a bit. And last time I talked about this on a podcast, I think I actually ended up bringing it up on Periscope and then spoke with Holly about it afterwards. And I had totally forgotten this. I'm about to leave to go do my November 1st post. And I just... I don't see the Clintons the same way other people seem to. And I didn't want to get into mentioning names ever again. And I, I'm realizing now that promising myself anything is just very, very silly. Because it comes from a place for wanting things to be different than reality is. And so it needs to flow out naturally as a desire and then a shift to change. Whereas a promise is kind of like talking to yourself like an absentee parent. Oh yes, I'm going to do this. I haven't done anything to put it in place. There's no pattern to say that it'll happen. But I'm going to promise it. And that's where we get to placating ourselves. And I didn't want to bring up the Clintons because um, when you bring up specific people, it brings up specific issues. And when it brings up specific issues, you kind of lose your ability to navigate the larger bits of life. And there are things that I am steadfastly against. I will not participate in or join in or um, anything with. And uh, there's quite a few of them that Man, I just feel like treating people shitty is not where we want to be. And I don't want to treat the Clintons or anybody who loves them shitty. I don't even want to talk bad about them. But I feel this guttural need for everybody to know what I've seen. And I think we all feel that about everything that we see. And I think that Facebook is there for a reason. I think that's why it turned into what it did is because we are all desperate for an audience to hear because here we are with this 
pool of information that's so big. And we're all just pulling little bits out of it. And then when we go to share, and we're excited. Whether that excitement is anger or happiness or whatever it is. When that excitement shows up, we want to put it somewhere. It's very uncomfortable to have large emotions and stay still for a lot of people. Some people get very good at it. Um, I remember this clip from a... uh, It was a competition show, and there was a, a man on it. I can't remember what they were competing at or doing, but there was a man on it who had been a Russian in the military in Russia... And he was very stern. And I remember at one point, um, he lit off an explosion. And they're calling him back. And he very slowly walks away from the explosion while lighting a cigarette. And there was something about that scene that uh, everybody in the room, I think everybody who saw the show, it was moving. Now, why? His His lack of disregard for his safety... But he was older. We knew he wasn't going to get hurt. And he knew he wasn't going to get hurt. He knew. And finding like those, uh, those people that are like that, that just inherently know their... What if he had been hurt, though? What if right there... He couldn't have been, though. Can't you feel like the falsity in that? What blocked him? Was it his confidence? Was it his vibe? Was he aligned with living through that situation? And not even having the heat be scary to him? I think it's the way we never were. I'm sure there's stuff that scared him. It just wasn't that. I wonder what his childhood was like. I wonder if any of us would have traded and wanted that moment if we had to live what he had lived through. What if his childhood was really happy and that's just a skill he has? The possibilities are will only get more endless as you gather more information, as you learn about more people's lives. And this is the danger of Open Lines Radio. Mark, you are putting us all in the line of fire. We're going to find out that we're not that different and it's not that bad. And then maybe we're going to have to. We'll be compelled. We won't have any choice it'll feel like. We'll have to be nicer to each other. We'll have to do something like... Actually showing up for birthday parties because we want to. Because we want to be there with those people so badly because our connection is so clear that it doesn't feel like a disassociative migraine just to be around your friends and family. There's going to be a time where you aren't hiding nearly as much. I can't promise total authenticity to you within your lifetime. I can't do it. I wish I could, but I don't have the promise in me. What I do have is the path to work towards it. What I do have is a plan. And that plan is loose. It's only in every moment. It doesn't have a path. It's a momentary plan. And that momentary plan is to notice what's going on around you. In any moment, anywhere. And see how many ripple effects of happiness, kindness, joy. How big of a wave can you make? And this isn't pay it forward shit. That is so contrived. Some of the biggest assholes I've ever known in life posted that pay it forward shit and talked about making the world a better place. And maybe they're not assholes anymore. Maybe it changed their life. But 
I know at the time it sure pissed me off good and plenty. What this is, this is different. This is those same people now evolving from doing it. And I'm talking about me too, not just them or you or whoever you're thinking of. It's all of us evolving to the point of doing it not because we're told to, but because it's the right thing to do. And that's been the simple thing through all of human existence that we can trace. We've known it and we've still been assholes. There's always been that group that's been the, but what about them? But can't I just be mean to them? And one of the things I actually say, that's funny, we brought up the Russian earlier. One of the things I've been known to say is we all know our world is nearing equality and fairness when Russian males in movies have backstories. When they're not just cannon fodder or the one that Arnold Schwarzenegger kills. When we can have all those countries that are in there that aren't Russia, when we stop calling them all Russian, that'll be big for our world, I think. I think I think this is it. I think I'm ending here and I want to thank you guys and keep listening to Open Line Radio, all that fun stuff and come follow me on Instagram at Between Blue Worlds and uh, come join in November if you haven't already. All right, love. on your hands Wilted flowers in a vase I ask how are you Yeah, how are you
18 candles down the drain left and right does it feel like every time you go to do something that give a mouse a cookie thing comes up you're like well but before I do that I have to do this and before I do this I have to do that before I do that and it just feels like an endless game of catch-up you know why because you're super behind on everything and I don't mean that really I mean you're all caught up in the big picture and everything but that feeling right now that you're behind and you have to hurry, it's basically your way of tricking yourself into speeding the fuck up and getting the shit done. Because you've known for a long time that it's just got to get done. And you've known for a long time everybody's going to approve of it. I mean, they really will. You keep going with this story about how people will crucify you. They're not going to. They're going to celebrate it. Look around. There's one way that people talk, and then there's another way we act. Who do we celebrate? Who are our cultural icons and heroes? I'll speak for America and Americans here. Robin Williams, generally hailed as a all-around great guy. Good guy. Didn't live that far from me, actually. I knew people that knew him. They all also said the same thing. Good guy. He commits suicide, and we can all have all the feelings around that, but we can notice that we rewarded Robin for his ability to show us silly things, to do things nobody had ever done before. Remember Natalie Portman in uh, uh, Garden State? Man, getting old, sounding like my mom. Can't remember shit. Love my mom. She couldn't remember shit. Now I can't remember shit, so our conversations will only get more interesting from here, I'm sure. <laughs> Anyways, Natalie Portman in Garden State. Remember, she sit, does like a little dance and she says the thing, you guys already know, about, you know doing something, making a noise, moving in a way that nobody in this moment has ever done before. That's original to right now. And I posted a thing earlier about how once we realize we're in the now, we're already realizing a now that's past because we can't realize, can't physically be in a future. And then once we think, it takes time because thoughts require energy. And energy has to travel. And travel is time. Takes time. My baby just got cookies out by himself. Hey! 
Who taught you to get cookies out by yourself? Oh my goodness, we're gonna have to put those cookies up higher. Yes, we are. We're gonna put them up way higher. We want some cookies. We have no abilities. We want some cookies. We can grab things. There you go. Now, be very careful. Don't let the doggies get them. I don't know, man. Everybody's really different. Everybody has different ideals and things they want to do. Cookies stay inside. Cookies stay inside. Thank you. Good job, Babaroo. Here, let's get these out the way. We still have Halloween remnants all around us. Last night was Halloween. I'm recording two podcasts in one day. I think, I think, uh, we all knew this was going to be daily, but we all thought they'd be longer. I did. I usually talk a lot, but I'm cutting myself off when the flow cuts off. I'm trying to do something different. It's hard. It's nice to stay in your, stay in your path. Not to be confused with staying in your lane. Let's change that saying. There's something about it that's still too heavy or aggressive or something. We want a different way to say keeping your eyes on your own road. Keeping your... You can't have blinders. That sounds terrible. Be here now. I guess we just all arrive back at Ram Dass who arrived back at everybody before him. Do you think that... Jesus is like, meant it when he said he wasn't a god, right? Because he said he's just a man. And I, I, Do you think that he was just like a super dope prophet? And maybe there is some people, even they could have been well-intentioned. I don't know. I don't know. I'll never know have physical records to, to, you know, that fucking word that means to line up with what I'm saying here, but maybe we will eventually, but do you think maybe they, they misunderstood because it was 300 years later and they didn't speak the original language either, I'm talking about uh, Helena, She's the one that said where Jesus was born and everything, as far as I understand it. And then it was like, you know, people have agreed since then, and people have disagreed. And, I mean, that's whatever. But, like, in the making of it, in one of the fireside chats, oh, what was it on? Damn it, I can't remember even if it was Hannah or Soraya. Soror, Soraya. Oh, man, I hope I'm saying your name right. I am so sorry. Um, I'm not going to try a bunch of times, because... <laughs> I'll just get it wrong more ways. <laughs> we'll just gamble that the first one was close. Capiche? I am sorry if I'm getting it wrong. I will make a better effort in the future. Um, but what, what was it? It was about how Jesus, I don't know. But what if he was just corrupted? 
what if, like, not him when like, he was here, but, like, by 300 years later, what if it had gone kind of stagnant and toxic in, like, the really culturally centric areas? Because from what I understand, um, he was, like, really pretty staunchly Jewish and did the Jewish practices. But then the books and the writings don't really have him stressing any importance about that. And I guess that's why they call it the Pauline religions versus the other, the Coptic and everything else. Not I guess, that is why. There's a bunch of different ones. And like I've mentioned before, because this is going to be ongoing until we make a decision and move on, right? There's people who are still waiting for John the Baptist, and he's coming back as the Messiah. I mean, there's people who think everything, and I just... Just to claim one is right. Seems silly. Seems foolish. Especially considering how many there are that we don't even know anything about. We're always learning about new ones. But I think there's common threads, and I... I think that the near-death experience work is really interesting. I think it's interesting to see the commonalities and what depends on what they've experienced in life and the images and the abilities. I've never been like a hundred percent that what I do is real and that's kind of a coping mechanism with the heaviness for it. Like, if you take any religion and you, like, actually look at what it, like, what it really, really says is gonna happen, is happening, the heaviness of it, like, if anybody was a hundred, a hundred percent that all of it was real, they'd act like the people that we say are crazy. Wouldn't they? They're the people out there with signs. Like, if you really thought your whole family was gonna go to hell if you didn't convince them of Jesus... That's pretty terrifying. Yeah. And I can't, I can't think of a way to explain, and I've never heard an adequate one, that still fit within the parameters of an existing ideology. I've heard lots of adequate, adequate explanations that are add-ons, if you will. Evolutions, which I think it makes them actually the legitimate ones in a way because we're clearly an evolving species I mean oh clearly I guess that's not clear either is it for a lot of people it is for me I think we change I think our kids are different than we are I think we're different than our parents are I think it's I think it's plain in front of our face so that stuff isn't it we're moving forward we're on the cutting edge, leading edge. And here we go. Front row seats. Tickets for the gun show. For the big one. I think if we all just got comfortable with our creativity, it'd be a lot more peaceful around here. We gotta be nicer to the babies.
nicer to the kids. Stop talking about them as if they're a separate class. Second class citizens. They don't have rights. They have privileges. Our rights are made up anyways. We made them up. People didn't have rights. Slavery was the name of the game. It still is in a lot of places. There's indentured servitude all over the place. Multi-generational slavery. Sex slave trade. It's just awful, isn't it? You hear about these things and you don't want to think about that they exist. So how do we make them not exist? can fight against them and that's kind of is that the, the there's that hippie creates the cops the cops create the hippies thing from Ram Dass what if we start creating solutions what if our kids aren't vulnerable to that kind of stuff what if it's just not an option what if we make them we fortify them with knowledge from all over the world and we feed them healthy foods and keep track of them while their brains are developing and help them stay healthy while they are still learning what that means and how it is here and the rules they're entering into whether they break them or not they undoubtedly will what if we focused on actually creating peace instead of deliberately leaving these spaces open the voids what if we filled them in something beautiful something reassuring and it's happening all over the place it's happening right now we're saying this there's people creating wonderful things all around you they're wanting you to get involved they're wanting your voice and your presence and you're invited you're wanted and needed so what are you going to do it's not right or wrong, no matter what you choose. You can do both. You can do neither. You can get involved or you can stay home. It's perfectly fine. You'll live and die the same way that everybody else will. And that's the only promises life gives to you. In the middle bit, what are you going to do? In the words of our modern-day prophet and poet, Eminem, this is your moment. You own it. Saturday Night Live.